Patriots fans, you are now locked in to the Locked On Patriots Podcast. Foxborough faithful and welcome to your TGI draft day episode of the Locked On Patriots podcast, your daily home for news, notes, and analysis infused with the occasional opinion on your six-time Super Bowl champions, the New England Patriots. My name is Mike DeBate, your host of the Locked On Patriots podcast, which of course is a proud part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And folks, because it's your team every day, that means your questions, your comments, your feedback are always welcomed and greatly appreciated. And feel free to share that feedback by reaching out to me and following me on Twitter at M-D-A-B-A-T-E-F-P-C. And while you're out there roaming around on that Twitterverse, please be sure to follow the Locked On Patriots account as well at L-O underscore Patriots. And don't forget, never miss an episode of Locked On Patriots. Subscribe via Apple Podcasts, follow on Spotify, so that you are sure to stay locked in to each and every episode of the Locked On Patriots podcast. Patriots fans, the time for predictive talk is just about over. Today, April 23rd, 7 p.m., live on ESPN, the 2020 NFL Draft kicks off. And that means that the event that some say couldn't happen, a lot said wouldn't happen, is happening. And it is the first of its kind, a virtual NFL draft that we all hope goes off without a hitch. And draft day is always an exciting day for all NFL football fans. And here in New England, dare I say, this NFL draft might be more anticipated than many others in recent history. The Patriots have a good number of holes to fill. And folks, we've talked about them here on Locked On Patriots ad nauseum. On the offensive side, will the Patriots take the plunge and draft their quarterback of the future? Will they look to the offensive skill positions and bring in a prolific pass catcher, either at the wide receiver or tight end position? Or will they hold the line, as I have predicted, and solidify their continuity by drafting a stout offensive lineman? Well, again, folks, we're just a mere few hours away from finding out exactly what the Patriots have planned. At the time that this podcast is being recorded, the Patriots still own the number 23 pick. Many draft analysts throughout the country believe that the Patriots will hold on to that pick. But believe it or not, there are also almost as many that believe that they will trade out of the first round. And even some who believe that that draft capital could be used to trade up in this draft. But the bottom line is here, folks, as much as we love to prognosticate about what the Patriots should do, it's almost impossible to predict what they will do. Or is it? Well, if you have the right insight into how Bill Belichick is able to build an NFL roster, it actually might just be a bit more predictable than originally thought. And lucky for us here on Locked On Patriots, on draft day, I will be welcoming in a guest momentarily that has that insight. Alex Barth of 98.5thesportshub.com joins me here today on the hot seat, and we'll get his insight on the Gronkowski trade, whether he believes Rob actually would have considered a return to New England if Tom Brady did so as well, 
And of course, we will get Alex's insight on some of the offensive and defensive gems in this draft, and we'll wrap it all up with what his prediction is for the Patriots as they enter the first round of the NFL draft this evening. So on this draft day, folks, settle in an action-packed episode. Lots to talk about here today on the Locked On Patriots podcast. And in just a moment, Alex Barth of 98.5thesportshub.com and myself will enlighten you with our wisdom and counsel and get you ready for the first round of the 2020 NFL Draft scheduled to kick off at 7 p.m. this evening. But first, folks, as we continue to navigate through these interesting and difficult times, we all continue to look for ways to constructively spend our time, in addition to staying locked into the Locked On podcast for all of your NFL draft needs, of course. But you might be doing a little more reading, exercising, binge-watching some of your favorite TV shows, or if you're like me, perfecting your culinary skills. But folks, as much as I would love to say that I can't get enough of the kitchen, even I need a break sometimes. And when I need that respite from being a do-it-yourself chef, I love using Postmates, and if I'm being honest, I kind of love them even more right now because I can get food delivered without leaving the house or even unsafely opening the door. Given what's going on in the world, Postmates has created non-contact deliveries, so now when I order from local restaurants, everything gets left right outside my door. Another great thing that Postmates has to offer is Postmates Pickup, which I've been using to order takeout from my favorite local restaurants. Listen up. You guys need to be supporting your neighborhood spots right now. They need you more than ever. I've only been ordering local because it's a great way to support my community and helps me get that rest I need, but also quality food at mealtime. But Postmates doesn't just deliver the burgers, pizza, and sushi that I love. They actually make my life easier by picking up everything I need from stores like Walgreens and 7-Eleven and dropping it off right outside my door. How can you take advantage of this great opportunity? Simple. Just download Postmates on iOS or Android, find your favorites, and get anything you want delivered within the hour. For a limited time, Postmates is giving our listeners $100 of free delivery credit for your first seven days. To start your free deliveries, download the app and use the code LOCKEDONNFL. That's code LOCKEDONNFL. L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N-N-F-L for $100 of free delivery credit for your first seven days when you download the Postmates app. Anything you need, anytime you need it, Postmate it. Patriots fans, it has been an interesting week in Pat's Nation to say the least, and to help pull it all together, you need the wisdom and counsel from someone with the passion of a fan, but the analytics of a journalistic veteran. And my guest today is among the best in the business at blending professionalism with a little bit of hometown flavor mixed in. You know him from his amazing audio, video, and written work covering the New England Patriots, formerly for CLNS Media, and now doing amazing work covering all things Boston sports for 98.5thesportshub.com. It is my honor to be joined today by Alex Barth. Alex, thank you very much for joining me today. Welcome back to the Locked On Patriots podcast. Thank you for having me on what you know, truly is in some ways, you know, this is an honor because you could really say today truly is the first day of the post Tom Brady era of the New England Patriots, right? Yeah, he he left a month ago, but what's the team been doing for the last month? Really nothing. They started online workouts last week, whatever stock you want to put into that. But uh, (laughs) this is it. This is foraying into new territory truly for, or or at least uh, new territory for a long time for the Patriots. That's a great way to put it, and I completely agree with you on that. It really is the first day of the post-Brady era, and we're going to get finally a chance to see 
what Bill Belichick has in store for the Patriots in terms of moving forward, what their plans are for this year and beyond. And I think the draft always provides a lot of insight on that anyway, but especially this year, you know, a lot of eyes are going to be on that team. And again, you know, the Patriots, they're going to reload the franchise. And I use the term reload because in New England, you and I both know, Alex, we don't rebuild here. We reload. And that's what the Patriots are going to do. But even with the anticipation of the NFL draft beginning tonight, there's still a patriotic eye in Patriots Nation on Rob Gronkowski and his decision to return to the NFL and reunite with Tom Brady in Tampa Bay. Now, Rob spoke with the media yesterday, and one of the pearls of wisdom that we all plucked from that conversation was if Tom returned to New England, Rob said that he would have considered a return to Foxborough as well. But for some, myself included, that's a bitter pill to swallow and a bit hard to swallow if you ask me from your experience covering rob and covering the team especially last year when rumors swirled about rob's return almost on a weekly basis was there a possibility in your estimation that rob would have returned to foxborough or do you believe that that statement might have been a bit of damage control on his part i don't think he would have returned last year I think that a lot of that was just marketing. He had the whole CBD thing out there. He was doing some television stuff, and it was a way to get his name in the headlines. I don't necessarily uh, think what he said yesterday was incorrect, though. I think that given the whole offseason to get ready, he said it numerous times when he was here. The only quarterback he ever wanted to play with was Tom Brady. So if he was going to come back to the NFL and Brady was in New England, yes, I believe he would have played here. Would he have been – maybe as eager to come back, but you've gone through with it if Brady was still here. Who knows, right? We'll never know, but I, I don't point. think that's an entirely true, uh, an entirely false statement like some people are painting it. I think if he got the itch to come back, it was going to be to play with Tom Brady wherever Brady was, whether it was New England, whether it was Tampa, whether it was Detroit, whether it was the XFL. That was the only guy he wanted to play with. There were times I remember in 2018 after games where he could barely – walk across the locker room post game to his locker like right. this, he was he used every little bit he had and he still went out there and he didn't miss many games that season and he didn't put up the monster numbers he usually did but you know all the credit in the world to guy to, uh, to the guy for toughing that out i saw somebody tweet you know rob gronkowski didn't retire from football he retired from belichick no the, the dude was beat up he was not physically able to play he, I didn't think he'd be back, but he needed at least a year off. I think that was clear to everybody that he wasn't going to be able to play another year given the state his body was in. Losing weight will definitely definitely help his back and his knees where he was having some issues. And whether or not putting that weight back on will be an issue, I think bears some serious watching. But, yeah, the whole, you know, he did this despite Belichick and coming back now is tying the Patriots' hands. I, I don't believe any of that, you know. Would would have been worse, frankly, to me for the Patriots is if he said, um, uns- um, you know, I'm signing my reinstatement papers and I'm coming back and I'm not letting you trade me. You can release me, but I'm not letting you trade me. I want to play here. And then all of a sudden, this team with $1 million in cap space adds a $12 million cap hit. And, and if they cut him, there's dead cap there. So if he'd come back and, and refuse to leave New England, the Patriots would have had to get probably that forces their hand absolutely into trading Joe Tooney, which they but if Gronk comes back and says, I'm only playing in New England, there goes Joe Tooney or there goes somebody else probably of value. 
So, you know, everybody's like, oh, he's stuck in the Patriots by doing this. They have a fourth-round pick now they didn't have at the beginning of the week. They're ultimately in a better place now than they were for the future because this guy wasn't a part of the future plans anyway. It's painful, certainly. I get that. It hurts. It really hurts having to watch that guy in another uniform. And, you know, of the trio of Brady, Gronk, and Edelman, right now it looks like none of them are going to finish their career as Patriots. So that definitely stinks. But ultimately, this, you know, Rob Gronkowski deciding on a whim to come back could have gone a lot worse. I agree. And I think what you mentioned to me is the essence of the case. If his main objective was to stick it to the Patriots, that's the scenario that would have played out. He could have very easily filed his reinstatement, said, I'm coming back. I'm not allowing you to trade me. They would have been forced to cut him. They would have been forced to clear cap room just to make him available on the roster before they could even do anything. That really could have handcuffed and really devastated the franchise just a couple of days before the NFL draft. The fact that all sides of communication were open, the fact that they were willing to work with one another, to me, tells me it was more about a decision that Rob felt for him. He gave the New England Patriots a chance to be able to Give him his wish, but also get something in return. And, you know, considering all things, getting a fourth rounder in return may not have been such a bad, uh, you know, return on investment. So, obviously, Alex, we move on from Rob Gronkowski. And you did mention that of the trio uh, with Brady, Edelman, and Gronk, including Edelman, who is under contract right now. But, you know, it's it's a shame that neither of those guys and maybe all three of them don't finish their career here in New England. But careers are about to begin here in New England because it is the NFL draft tonight. And the Patriots, like all teams, are looking to the first round of the NFL draft. And the Patriots have a number of holes. And putting aside what you think they are going to do tonight, let's talk about what they should do tonight. And we're talking tight end, so we'll start on offense. Again, tight ends in need, and we hear a lot about quarterback, wide receiver, and even offensive line. And I've been helping to stoke that offensive line flame here on Locked On Patriots with my projections. But in your estimation, if the Pats choose to address the offensive side of the ball tonight, who should they be taking a strong look at? So I, the way I've kind of approached this, and I did this last year too, they need to come away with three pass catchers, whether that's Three, three wide receivers, I guess, wouldn't be ideal, but you take it. Um, you know, two wide receivers and a tight end, one wide receiver, two tight ends. The guy I really think they need to take, they need to take a wide receiver, and, and there's a number of good wide receivers out there, so I don't really have one guy, you know, that I'm focused on. There's certainly right. guys that are like more than others, but I don't know that I have, you know, yeah, if they can walk away with Jerry Judy, they should take him, but that's not going to happen. Right. The guy they should take is Cole Komet. I've been banging this drum since October. I I don't necessarily think Komet's that like, like he's like he's a generational player or anything, but I look at this draft class of tight ends, and to me it's pretty weak, especially in terms yeah. of NFL readiness. Like at the moment, I I get the Trapman hype. Give him two or three years, he could become a good player, sure. But like you said off the top of the show, the Patriots are not rebuilding; they're reloading. Right. So Bill Belichick. They still have a number of key pieces of that defense. They can still be competitive this year if they put the right pieces in place. And part of that is having an NFL-ready tight end that's better than Matt Lacoste. There's only one of those in this draft. There's only one of those left, frankly, unless Tampa's going to trade O.J. Howard, which is a possibility. And, and that's another discussion. But Patriots need an NFL-ready tight end. Cole Komet's the only one. I don't think they need to take him in the first round. 
I think they would need to trade into the second round. If they can't do that and they took him at 23, I know this is not a popular decision. I would be okay with that. It's a bit of a reach, but he's a guy you need. He's a guy who can play right away. And it's a very weak class, and the market's going to dictate that. If it was other years and there were other tight ends, he's a day two pick. But some tight end needy team is going to say that. Some team that is on the verge of, you know, being a contender and is going to look at that and say, well, this is the guy we need. If the only chance we have to get him is the first round and there's nobody else on the board we love, yeah, you know, it, it kind of makes sense to reach for him there. That's what the market dictates. Some guy, you flip it. They're wide receivers this year who other years would be first-round picks. But Excuse me. Uh, who other years would be first-round picks. But there's so many good wide receivers this year that they're probably going to go in the third round. And that's the opposite of that. Because there's no tight end, his draft stock actually increases because there's uh, such limited supply. And it's, it's basic supply and demand. So I really like Cole Komet for them. I wouldn't hate if they reached for him at 23. I'd rather see them use that pick on defense and then trade into the second round and grab him, probably high mid-second round, and grab Cole Komet. But that is the one guy. If they walk away with him, I mean, we'll see what else happens. But if they walk away with him, that's at least something I feel like, you know, they can hang their hat on and say, we got a rookie who's going to contribute this year, he's going to contribute down the road, and he's going to feel, feel, fill a need. And those are the three checkboxes when you look at picks in the top 100. Will they contribute now? Will they contribute in the future? And, you know, I guess need and contribute now kind of go hand in hand. But is, is he somebody who, you know, they're not just drafting on a whim, who actually makes sense in the context of the organization? I actually think you're onto something here. And that's a little bit of a reversal of um, opinion in my uh, estimation, where I've been beating the drum about if they're going to go with a pass catcher in the first round, it would be a wide receiver. Uh, are they going to take offensive line talent or are they going to go defense, which is an argument we'll get into in just a moment. But I think you make an interesting case for Komet. And Again, the New England Patriots are not worried about mock drafts. They're not worried about what all of the draft pundits are saying uh, about players that have a certain draft grade or a value. Oh, he's a second rounder. Why waste a first rounder on him? He's a second rounder. The New England Patriots don't really get into that. We've seen that several times. If they believe there's a player out there that's going to move the needles in terms of the impact that he's going to have on this roster and the potential he has to do well in the system, they're going to take him. Whether they feel that he's overvalued or undervalued, that really doesn't matter. It's all about their own value. It's about the value that they place on him in their war room and why they believe he would be the ultimate fit. So if they see Komet, who I think is the most talented top-to-bottom uh, tight end in this draft class, I agree with you on that. I've been very vocal about my like for Adam Trotman, but at the same time, I've also acknowledged several times that I believe top to bottom, that Cole Komet is the best in the draft. If they target him and they want to make him a New England Patriot, even if it is a 23, I don't think they're really, uh, you know, I, I don't think they're going to be too broken up about it. If they're, you know, the, the talking heads of the world may have something to say about them using high draft capital on a player. Maybe they didn't value much. If the Patriots see potential, they're going to pull the trigger on it and they're going to do it. And that's excellent insight, Alex. But Again, as I like to say, offense may get the headlines, and you alluded to this just a couple of seconds ago, defense wins championships. And in just one moment, folks, I will ask Alex Barth about those defensive gems in tonight's draft, and one that the Patriots should be keeping a sharp eye on. 
and I will get his thoughts on what he believes the Patriots will do with the number 23 selection when the Locked On Patriots podcast continues. Pats fans, once again, I am joined by Alex Barth of 985thesportshub.com. And Alex, there are a number of defensive options in this draft that might look good in those new Patriots uniforms. They have some shoes to fill, no question. Linebacker, edge rusher, safety, even the interior defensive line, which I think is more of a need than most people are suggesting. When you look at the defensive prowess in this draft, who should the Patriots be considering tonight if their defense is the number one priority? So just in terms of the first round, I, there's two guys that I've kind of been lumping together that I really like, and it's a pair of SEC safeties, Xavier McKinney out of Alabama and Grant Delpit out of LSU. I think if either of those guys are on the board, especially uh, McKinney's probably ahead of Delpit for me, but they're both, you know, great players. I think if either of those guys are on the board, that's a really tough pass for Bill Belichick. And I don't know that they will be. I'm 50-50 on it. But if either of those guys are there, I mean – they do everything that Bill Belichick wants a safety to do. They're highly intelligent, versatile. They can both play both safety positions. Uh, they, they can play deep safety. They can man. They can cover the run. And the reality is, you know, we all love Devin McCourty and Patrick Chuck. They both had great seasons last year, but I don't know that they're going to be here much longer, especially, you know, you consider a rookie deal is essentially a five-year deal with that option. Are either of those guys going to be New England Patriots in five years? I would bet no, just on, on age. So right. you get ahead of the curve of replacing two important positions with two guys who would be excellent fits. I know people will say Grant Delpit can't tackle, but his issues in that department, one, I think are a bit overblown, and two, I think they're, they're coachable issues. It's not necessarily a, an inability based on something internal. I just think he, his form needs to be shored up a little bit. So – if if one of those two guys is on the board, that's going to be really tough for the Patriots to pass on. The other guy I like is linebacker Patrick Queen out of LSU. I know he mm-hmm. doesn't fit the mold. Uh, you know, you tell people Patrick Queen, they say the Patriots will never draft a 220-pound linebacker, especially not in the first round. But this is a different time. And the Patriots seem to be loading up on those hybrid safety linebacker guys, right? Patrick Trump's always been here. But then, you know, Terrence Brooks last year, Adrian Phillips is another one. That right. seems to be the trend on the defense. And Patrick Queen is a bit more, you know, the guys they've been bringing in are, are hybrid safety linebackers, but they skew more safety. So to bring in a guy who skews more linebacker in Patrick Queen might be a good balance, uh, a little feng shui for the defense, if you will. So that's another guy I'm looking at in the first round for them on the defensive side of the ball. Interesting. And I like both suggestions. And I think safety and linebacker are probably going to be positions that are going to be very closely looked at, especially by Bill Belichick, who has a penchant for both um, of those positions. And And we've seen him have a great amount of success there. I'll add this real quick, too. Kind of like we talked about with tight ends and market value. Those, in my mind, in terms of at least, you know, upper echelon talent, are two of the weaker positions in the draft, safety and then middle linebacker. The edge is deep this year, but the, the position Patrick Queen plays off the ball linebacker, I think, is a little bit weaker than it would be other years. So that kind of adds fuel to the fire. And I know we'll talk about the predictions next. But again, if you're going to look at those two positions in the first round, you may not get another chance, at, a, at least this year, at another potential Devin McCourty or Patrick Trump replacement if you don't go with one of those guys in the first round. 
because those safeties, I think, just based on the way things fall this year, are going to fly off the board pretty early. Same with linebackers, so that may add to the Patriots' urgency to grab one of those guys. Well, folks, that is what the Patriots should do. But what will they do? That is the question. And like you just said, my friend, it is prediction time. Alex, if you will, please gaze into your Belichickian crystal ball and let all of us here at the Lockdown Patriots podcast know which name do you believe will be called when the Patriots submit their selection? Or do they trade out of the first round? The floor is yours, my friend. Have at it. I really think they trade out. The, the one I'm looking at, uh, the team I'm looking at is the uh, Chicago Bears. There's been a lot of smoke that they want to move up, and they have two second-round picks that roughly equate to that Patriots first-round pick on the trade value chart. So the Patriots could could trade back with the Bears. I think they moved back. I want to say the Bears had – I don't remember the top of my head. I should know this. I want to say it's 38 and then a later second-round pick. So – I think the Patriots do something like that. They move back, acquire two second-round picks, and, and bolster up. The other thing you have to remember is, can Patriots afford a first-round pick? You know, that, it could cost them up to $10 million if they take a quarterback. So in terms of freeing up cap space, second-round picks going to be cheaper. Also, certain positions are going to be cheaper than others, right? You know, linebacker is going to be cheaper than a quarterback. Wide receiver is going to be cheaper than that. So you, you do have to factor that in this year. They could also maybe move back and – pick up a second in the future first when they do have more cap space next year, right? They project to have a uh, hundred million, uh, something over a hundred million in cap space. But I think they trade back. If they do pick, I think it's going to be on the defensive side of the football because if you look at what Bill Belichick's done, and I wrote a column on this a couple months ago, it was right after Brady left, but you can, it's pinned on my Twitter that if you, if you look at everything Bill Belichick's doing, right? And you open the show by saying Bill Belichick's unpredictable. And I think people at times confuse or wrongly equate unpredictability with making unpopular decisions. And Bill Belichick certainly makes unpopular decisions and goes against the grain, but he's been doing this so long now that there are patterns, if you look closely. There are patterns in what he does. The one I use as an example is last year, everybody thought they were going to keep Hoyer. There's no way they're going to make this kid here instead of the backup. If Brady gets hurt, season's going to be over, yada, yada, yada. But if you looked at the way they handled having three quarterbacks in the past, right, you went back to the year after Brady's suspension when they had Garoppolo and Bursette. You went back to Garoppolo's rookie year when they had Hoyer the first time and how that always played out, how he managed the quarterbacks in the preseason. Hoyer was managed like the guys who had gotten cut in previous iterations. And so you looked at that and said, you know what, they probably will cut Hoyer, and they did. So long story short, Bill Belichick is predictable. So the way I've gone about looking at this offseason and this draft is there's not much precedent for Bill Belichick team building without Tom Brady. But the way I see it, we have three offseasons to go on. The 2000 offseason when he got to New England, the 2001 offseason before Brady, and then I'll even throw in 02 because, yes, Brady won them the Super Bowl in 01, but it was only one year. And I think he truly he, – he obviously became the starter for the 2002 season because they traded Bledsoe, but he established himself as an offensive weapon and not just a net neutral in that 2002 season. So before Belichick knew, he had something special in Tom Brady. How was he building the New England Patriots? And you look at what he did. They used, in, in between 2000 2001, the majority of their offensive draft picks were offensive linemen. They drafted more offensive linemen than any other offensive position, especially in the top three rounds. 
they go out and they find Antoine Smith, who is a true power bell cow. You know, you can hand him the ball 25, 30 times a game, not going to fumble, not going to lose yards, not necessarily explosive, but ground pound running back, and then everything else went on the defensive side of the ball. They go out and they bring in guys like Mike Brabel. They bring in guys like Brian Cox. They bring in guys like Otis Smith, these, these, these physical defensive veterans. And Bill Belichick was clearly building a team meant to win with an elite defense that was going to ground and pound and chew yards and chew uh, clock on the offensive side of the ball. Those teams were supposed to win games 13-10. to 10. Then Brady comes along, obviously. They change course. But Brady was the cherry on those early teams. And you saw how dominant that defense was. That was the plan. The offense was an extra. So fast forward here, and you look at the last couple of years, because however it was going to happen, Belichick knew Brady was out the door soon. And you start in the 2018 draft. They bring in Sony Michelle, who I know people have their feelings on him, but he's more than capable of handling an Antoine Smith-type role. The two things about him, you can say for sure he does not fumble. He does not lose yards. You, you, you can rely on those with him. He, he is a very Antoine Smith type of back. A lot of the offensive linemen they've brought in are those bigger, just people-moving guys, especially in the middle. And they even bring back Joe Tooney. And whether or not they trade him, we'll see. But there's clearly interest in having him back and keeping that offensive line strong. And then on top of that, you look at what they've done this year in free agency, outside of Demir Bird, who is a roster bubble guy, all been on the defensive side of the ball. They are just building up that defense. They are trying to – he's Bill Belichick. He's building the team. He's picking up where he left off, where he was when Brady emerged in 2002. He's trying to build a team that's going to go out, run the ball down the throat, and win games 13-10, to 17-13, 10-3, however you want to put it. And, you know, people hear that and they get annoyed. Oh, it's, it's 2020. It's a modern era of football. You can't win games like that. It is 2020. And, frankly, we are entering a new era. The whole idea of every team throwing the ball 50 times a game is going out the window. Teams are, you know, every team was trying to draft Aaron Rodgers. When Aaron Rodgers emerged, Brady, Manning, and then you had Rodgers, and there were all these great quarterbacks in the league, and every team thought they could find that guy. And what teams are realizing now is, you know, for every Aaron Rodgers, you get 10 Blake Bortles. For every Patrick Mahomes, you get 10 Josh Allen. So it feels like the new strategy is, Unless you know you have a generational guy, right? The Bengals aren't necessarily going to go down this road because they're getting Burrow. He's a generational talent. But, you know, instead of risking it for Jordan Love, which, you know, a couple of years ago, Jordan Love's probably a top three pick given his potential. But teams aren't looking at that potential as strongly anymore because instead of whiffing on a quarterback pick and setting yourself back years, what it's easier to do and more potent to do is – you build up that offensive line. You get a strong running back. You really put resources into the defense. And then you just go find a quarterback who's a net neutral, a guy who's probably not going to win you many games, but he's not going to lose you any games. He's not going to put you in a perilous spot. So you go find that net neutral, and if he can be that, if the guy can be that, and you have him on a rookie deal, you can spend a ton of money on the rest of your roster. You can't do when you have a quarterback on his second contract. And it works. It's a proven method. The 49ers got to a Super Bowl last year like that. The Ravens were a number one seed last year like that. And the Tennessee Titans got, were a game away from the Super Bowl last year like that. So I think that's what Bill Belichick's trying to do. He was trying to do it in 2000. He was just counting on Brady being a net neutral on an affordable contract. 
obviously, you know, you could say that didn't go as planned. I don't think he's mad about it. But here we are, Brady's gone, and I think that they are just counting, at least for this year, and then they'll reassess on Jared Siddham being that net neutral on a rookie deal. They're going to build up the rest of the roster and try to win games that way. And that, to me, is why the defensive player in the first round makes a ton of sense. Because that's where the majority of their holes are if that's the kind of team you're trying to build. I'm not just trying to pump your tires on this. That was probably one of the most lucid and probably one of the most level-headed explanations of Bill Belichick's ability to build a roster that I've ever heard. That was amazing, man. I really, really give you a lot of credit on that and so many great points to expound upon. But, folks, what you want to take home from that, in Alex's words, is the fact that Bill Belichick has a plan for building this roster. Again, I like the fact that you brought in predictability to what he does. If you read the tea leaves a little bit better than most do, you will see the patterns that are involved with him being able to do that. Roster building is about more than just drafting the hot name on draft night. It's about more than just bringing in the hot name and free agency. It's about building the roster that allows your team the best chance to win and keep that sustained version of winning. We saw it happen 20 years ago. Maybe we're on the cusp of that again. So, Alex, awesome stuff. Great insight. Thank you for lending your wisdom and counsel when it comes to the NFL draft. Everybody should know where to find Alex. I believe everybody that listens to this show will. Just in case they don't, my friend, please let every one of our listeners know where they can find you, your great work, and where they can continue to follow you into the 2020 NFL season. Yeah, uh, at Real Alex Barth on Twitter. All my stuff's going to go there. My draft thoughts will be there. And uh, my pinned tweet right now, actually, is kind of a, you know, I know that was rambling. You, you think it can't be longer, but I guess you could say more flushed out version of uh, what I just said about Bill Belichick's plan here going forward. <laughs> Excellent. And I highly recommend checking that out. Folks, again, Alex is one of the best in the business at what he does. It's always my honor to share the microphone with him. My friend, thank you so much. Enjoy the draft this weekend. Above all else, stay safe, stay well, and we look forward to having you back here on Locked On Patriots really soon. Thanks a lot, buddy. Thank you. You too. And with that, Patriots fans, the time for the talk has just about ended. It is just about that time to start the 2020 NFL Draft. But please be assured, folks, our coverage of the 2020 NFL Draft here on the Locked On Patriots podcast has just begun. Let Locked On Patriots remain your home for news, notes, and analysis when it comes to all things NFL Draft. Amazing insight like that which you heard today from Alex Barth of 98.5thesportshub.com when it comes to the New England Patriots' approach of building a roster, both for this year and beyond. That type of insight is content that you can only find here on the Locked On Patriots podcast. And trust me, folks, you will not want to miss tomorrow's episode. And that's because gracing us with his green wisdom and counsel is fan favorite, my benefactor in this business, Thomas Murphy. And not only will we break down the Patriots' day one activities of the 2020 NFL Draft, we will also give our insight and our predictions as to what the Patriots might do on day two and day three of the NFL Draft. So again, folks, to ensure you do not miss an episode of Locked On Patriots, subscribe via Apple Podcasts, Follow on Spotify, and remember that you can always listen to Locked On Patriots on your smart device. How do you do that? Very simple. Simply ask it to play the latest episode of Locked On Patriots. And if you've enjoyed today's episode and need a little national perspective on the NFL Draft, now ask your smart device to play the latest episode of Locked On NFL Draft. Once again, I am Mike DeBate. I thank Alex Barth for his time, his insight, and his appearance today 
But most of all, I thank you so much for listening and for continuing to stay locked into Locked On Patriots. Stay safe, stay well, have a great day everyone, and enjoy the first round of the 2020 NFL Draft.